All right, hey, get your Bible out. Let's see what we do this morning. Get your Bible out. If you didn't bring one, there's one at your seat. Open it up to Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be today. We're in our study of the book of Acts. We're going to be here for a few weeks. And uh, Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be today. You know, a lot of times when you're watching your local news or maybe you're just on your news feed on your phone, uh, if if you notice, most of the news is bad news. Would you agree with that? I mean, it's like over, 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 bad, 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 good, bad, 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 bad. That's kind of how it is. And uh, you're just like, man, I wish somebody would just give me some good news. Uh, Particularly back during the pandemic, there was just constantly bad news going on. And John Krasinski, the actor and director, decided to do something about it. So he, uh, he asked all of his followers to send him good news stories, and then he created this thing called Some Good News, S-G-N, that he would broadcast from his house. So here's a picture of him. He's got his little SGN Network logo that his girls drew for him in, in, back behind him. And he's in his office at his home, and he broadcasts just only good news stories. Guess what? 19 million people watched that first episode. 19 million people. I mean, that just shows you how desperate we are for just some good news, right? Well, I've got some good news for you today. Everything we're going to talk about today is good news. I thought you'd be more excited about it than that. Let me say it again. Everything we're going to talk about today is good news. There you go, there you go, there you go. All right, so I tell you what, we're going to look at uh, Acts chapter 2, and we're going to look at Peter's sermon, all right? Now, let me just give you a little setup here for what's happening. Jesus Christ has risen from the grave. He has appeared over 40 days to believers. They have seen him giving convincing proofs that he's alive. He told them to wait in this upper room until the Spirit of God came on them. They waited. They prayed. The Spirit of God came. We looked at that last week. They began to be moved in, in power. Uh, they are speaking these different languages. People are like, what's going on? These Galileans, how are they knowing? in our language, and our dialect, like we say it in our neighborhood. How is this happening? A crowd gathers, and then Peter is going to get up, and he's going to preach. Now listen, this is the very first sermon ever preached in a church. Isn't that pretty cool that God preserved for us the very first sermon? And so today I'm going to be preaching somebody else's sermon, all right? I'm going to be preaching Peter's sermon, all right? And we're going to take a look at at what is the historic gospel, all right? If you were going to title Peter's sermon, I think I would put this title on it, Why the Gospel is Good News. Why the gospel is good news. Listen, we need to hear the gospel, amen? Amen. And we need to be reminded of the good news. You know, some people look at the gospel like, like a sophomore looks at trigonometry class, all right? That's kind of interesting, but it's never going to change my life. And some people think of that way. Well, that's good for you. you know, that's kind of interesting. I kind of am intrigued by this, but it's not really going to have any bearing on my life. Uh, other people look at the gospel and they just kind of forget how great it is. You know, if you've been in church a long time, you just hear it over and over and over and you, you lose the wonder and the sense of amazement and the good news that it really is. And so my prayer for you today is that when you hear these words, the very first sermon ever preached in the church at Pentecost, that you would just, 
Take a deep breath and receive it as good news for us today. Can you do that? Can you do that? All right, Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. Uh, Why the gospel is good news? If you're taking notes, jot this first thought down. The gospel is for everyone. Why is it good news? Because the gospel is for everyone. Look at verse 14. This is the word of God, amen? Amen. Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and proclaimed to them, fellow Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and pay attention to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only nine in the morning. On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. Now, the uh, disciples have been in the upper room. The Spirit of God has come on them. They've been speaking these different languages as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. And it says here that Peter stands up to speak. And notice it says, and he raised his voice. I love this part of the verse because whenever I get fired up and I start raising my voice, you can say it's in the Bible, all right? You know, some folks are sitting on the front row, they get showers of blessing, right? When I get fired up, like, whoa, Craig was on fire today, man, in fuego. You know, that's because I'm fired up. Peter was fired up. He raised his voice, all right? And uh, he starts to preach. And and he starts off by saying, hey, these people are not drunk like you talk about. What is he referring to? If you back up a verse, you'll see. Uh, all these people were speaking these different dialects, these different languages. People were amazed. These Galileans, how can they do that? What's happening here? And then some people on the fringe were kind of like, yeah, whatever. They're probably drunk. They don't even know what's going on. They're just talking smack. They, they don't know what's happening. They're scoffing. They're mocking uh, what God is doing. And Peter's like, no, nobody's drunk around here, man. It's nine in the morning. We haven't had breakfast, much less Budweiser, man. We don't, we're not drunk here. This is what was promised. Now hit the pause button. From the rest of the sermon, Peter's going to quote multiple times from the Old Testament. Why? Because he's talking to Jewish people. And he's proving to them from the Scriptures what Jesus did and how Jesus fulfilled those Scriptures. All right? So he's going to quote multiple times. This first quotation comes from the prophet Joel that lived about 350, 400 years prior to the birth of of Jesus. All right. So let's look at it. Verse 17. And it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And I will even pour out my spirit on your servants in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. I will display wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Notice he says that all this is going to happen in the last days. Did you know that you're living in the last days? The last days period starts with the coming of Jesus. You know, up until this, the prophets have been foretelling Christ is going to come and the Messiah is going to come. He's going to come. But now that he has come, he has ushered in the last days. You're actually living in the last days. And he said, in these last days, the prophet Joel, all these hundreds of years before, said that the Spirit of God is going to move in an extraordinary way. 
Up to this point, the Spirit of God came upon individuals for certain functions and tasks, but now the Spirit of God is going to move on all people, all God's people. Now, it doesn't mean that every person is going to be filled with the Spirit. Some people are going to reject the gospel. Some people are going to harden their hearts. But he's saying that the Spirit of God will come with no distinction. It's not going to only be with certain elites. But notice he said, the Spirit of God will be poured out on all people, both young and old, both men and women, people of all different social status, all different nationalities, all different languages. The Spirit of God is going to move on God's people in a distinctive new way. And then he talks about the sun growing dark and the moon turned to blood and the glorious day of the Lord. By the way, we studied a lot of that when we studied the book of Revelation. Remember that? Uh, Last year, we got into the book of Revelation. We talked about the cataclysmic coming of the Lord Jesus. He said, before the Son of God comes to uh, judge the world, uh, the Spirit of God is going to come to convict the world. And, And he said, that's what's happening. What you're seeing now These different languages, this happening right now, what you're witnessing is the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. He is pouring out his spirit on his people. And look at verse 21. Here's the nailer. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that good news? Hey, that's really good news. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That means it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter what's happened to you, what you've done, doesn't matter what you did this weekend, it doesn't matter how far you feel from God, doesn't matter how many things you've done against the Lord and you'll feel worthy, it doesn't matter any of that. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I remember when I was in college, God was moving in my heart and it was a Sunday night maybe 150 people in this little church. And uh, the preacher got up to preach faithfully. You know, it doesn't matter if it's 150 or 150,000, right? Uh, you got to preach God's word. And he stood up faithfully to preach God's word. He opened up the Bible to Romans chapter one and he read with confidence, Romans 1:16. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is a power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. i never forget it. Listen, that's true today. And you may be here today and you were unsure of your spiritual condition. Yeah, Craig, I believe in God. You know, I, I believe the Bible. I, I'm good. No, no. You may not be for sure if you truly have been born again, you're truly saved, that you need to listen in. And the first thing I want you to hear is it's available for everyone. It's available for you right now, even today. The gospel is available for you. It's good news. It's good news because the gospel is for everyone. Here's a second point I want you to write down. The gospel is all about Jesus. The gospel is all about Jesus. Look at verse 22. He finishes this quote. Then he says, fellow Israelites, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him just as you yourselves know. Now circle the name Jesus there. This is the first time Jesus appears in his sermon. And he says, this Jesus was attested to you. By the way, the gospel, Christianity is not about a philosophy. It's not like Buddhism. 
that uh, we just have these philosophical tenets that we hold to. It's not about ritual or, or uh, just these religious practices. And if we believe that if you do these religious practices, you'll be right with God. At the very core, the very essence, Christianity is about Christ. It's about a person. It's about Jesus of Nazareth, who is the son of God, who died and rose again. And here he is now drilling down into Jesus. And he said, this Jesus performed miracles among you. Now remember the crowd. These are all the people that have been in Jerusalem. Many of them were there for the Passover. Most of them were there for the Passover. They had heard about these miracles. Many of them had seen these miracles. Uh, what miracles did Jesus do? Somebody lift up your voice uh, and, and shout out a miracle Jesus did. Water to wine. That's the first service. First person said water to wine. Uh, then, and I'm like, you know, we're Baptist church. You know, we do accept that as a miracle, but we don't talk about it that much, right? <laughs> Gotta let that slip over. Presbyterians love it, but no, we just kind of skip it. <laughs> yeah, water to wine. Somebody else give me another one. Blind seeing. Raise Lazarus. Heal the lepers. Yeah, I mean, we could just go on and on and on. Now, here's the deal. We kind of know the stories. They saw it happen. He said, you yourselves know this. You know Jesus did these things. You saw them with your own eyes. And yet somehow they had seen these things and heard about them, but they had hardened their heart to the message of Jesus. You know, there are people who do that today. Maybe you've done that. You've seen God work in miraculous ways. You saw God deliver you out of that accident. You saw God intervene in a situation. And you go, wow, man, only God could have done that. Or maybe you've seen God work in other people's lives. And you go, man, I, I can attest that that's God at work. But even though you see him at work around you, you have hardened your heart to the gospel, to his message. He said, this Jesus has been attested by works and signs and wonders among you. You yourselves know this. And then look at verse 23. Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you use lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. Now he's really getting down. He's like, you saw these things, and yet you allowed these, these lawless men to kill Jesus. Speaking of the Romans. This Jesus died. Now listen, what, did Jesus die on the cross because he did something wrong? Yes or no? Did, did, he, did he just kind of uh, preaching some good things and then things got kind of got out of hand. People thought he claimed to be the Messiah. One thing leads to another, bum, 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 and he's on the cross. No, didn't happen like that. Jesus' death on the cross, look at it, was by God's determined plan, and foreknowledge. This was all a part of God's plan. From the very beginning, God was planning all the prophets, foretelling every single one of them, pointing to the day when this Jesus would come and fulfill God's plan to die on the cross. Uh, what kind of plan is this? Well, the Bible tells us, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. That Jesus came to die, here's the plan. Jesus came to die in your place. He came to be a substitutionary, atoning sacrifice for your sin. To die on the cross in your place, paying for your sin. That's, that's the plan. You know, sometimes we forget what it meant for Jesus to take our place. 
You know, when I was in middle school, I was just a goofy kid, man. I, I just, I was always in trouble. I know that shocks most of you, but I was, I was really in trouble. You know, uh, I was a kid in the back of the room, always goofing around, telling jokes, talking when you're not supposed to, uh, just, just kind of being brain dead most of the time. And, uh, and I remember one time I was in a class and, uh, and the teacher had probably told me to be quiet multiple times. I wasn't paying attention. So she said, Craig, out in the hallway. Everybody goes, ooh. <laughs> Let's simulate that right now. Everybody go, ooh. That's right. So I, I'm like, now here's the deal. You got to understand. I knew this teacher. She went to our church. She knew my parents, right? And, and on top of that, she was pregnant. I mean, way out to here. And I thought, you know, she's not going to do anything to me, you know? I mean, and, and even if she, back then they did this thing called paddling. You probably don't know what that is. It's called thing called the Board of Education. It's about that long and about that wide. That they applied to your backside. And, and so uh, she said out in the hallway, everybody knows out in the hallway means you're going to get a paddle. And uh, so I'm walking out like, you know, like this. Because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, she, this is not going to hurt. I mean, she's not going to hurt me. So we get over there and she goes, listen, Craig, I know we know each other. We go to the same church and everything, but I can't allow you to, to do this. I'm going to have to make an example of you. And I'm like, all right, whatever. And so she's uh, assumed the position. So I, I, I bend over like this. And I remember, I, I mean, still to this day, I remember looking back behind me only to see her holding the paddle. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I know why. I watched this happen. She picks up her leg. And it looked like Aaron Judge, you know, swinging for the back. I mean, she, she cracked me so hard. I mean, just the shock of it went through my body. The snap of it went echoing down the hall. I mean, everybody was like, <gasps> you know, in the classroom. I mean, it was, it was violent. It was so violent. I mean, I, I, I remember the blood rushed to my head. I'm just doing everything I can do not to cry. I, I come back in the room. Everyone is stone cold silent, man. It's like... A bomb has gone off. They couldn't believe it. I mean, I remember walking. I'm just embarrassed. I sit down. And, you know, oh, man, she lit me up. Uh, woo! That was rough. Now, now I, had a, I had a friend of mine named Russell, and he and I were always getting in trouble together. Russell was with me that day. He was the guy I was talking to that day. Uh, Russell uh, didn't go anywhere. Russell sat in his seat while I was taking uh, the, the whipping. But, uh, you know, what if Russell had gotten up and gone out with me? What if Russell had said, teacher, listen, I've been doing it. You know, uh, I'd like to take Craig's place. What if Russell assumed the position? What if Russell saw her draw back? What if Russell felt the impact of that paddle? What if he felt the pain go through his body? What if he felt his face flush? What if he felt the shame and embarrassment? What if the things I had done wrong were paid for by Russell? That's what Jesus did. That was God's plan. That's what he did for you. The things that you have done wrong were put on the back of innocent Jesus and Jesus died in your place. Peter says this was all a part of God's predetermined plan. And then just keep reading. Not only, not only that, but look at verse 23 or verse 24. And God raised him up, ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. In other words, he's saying, listen, uh, uh, he not only died for you, but he rose again from the dead. It was not possible for death to hold him down. 
I mean, when my girls were little, we used to wrestle all the time on the floor. Uh, sometimes they still want to wrestle. I'm like, hey, you're way too old for that. And I am too. All right. But uh, when they were little, we would get on the ground and I remember forget, they would jump on me and they'd try to pin me down. And I go, oh, oh, you're too strong. I can't get up. You've got me pinned down. And, and then I would go, Bruh! and of course they go flying. And, and I was, you're too, I'm too big for you to hold me down. And, and I think about that here, the grave could not hold Jesus down. Not even death was strong enough to keep Jesus Christ in the grave. He said the grave was too strong to hold him down. Now Peter's going to turn and quote David, King David. And this quote is coming from Psalm 16, verse 8. Check it out. He says, for David says of him, I saw the Lord ever before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. Moreover, my flesh will rest in hope. Why? Because you will not abandon me in Hades or allow your Holy One to see decay. For you revealed the path of life to me. You fill me with gladness in your presence. He, David is talking about death. And he said, you know, when I die, you're not going to allow me to stay in the grave. You're not going to allow my body to decay. Now, Peter's going, okay, who's David talking about? Here's David, and he's saying, Lord, you're not going to allow my body to decay. This is resurrection language, right? I'm not going to stay in the grave. Uh, I'm not going to be held there. My body's not going to decay. Who is he talking about? Keep reading. He said, brothers and sisters, I can confidently speak to you about this patriarch David. He is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us today. If... Uh, if Peter's preaching from the southern steps of the temple in Jerusalem, he would have pointed over to where David's tomb is. It was customary at that time that they would file through by David's tomb, pay their respects, and then go up the southern steps in to offer their sacrifices. He said, guys, we know David's dead. You just look at his tomb. You just pass it. Did you know you can still visit King David's tomb in Jerusalem? Here's a picture of it right there. I've visited many times on our trips to Israel. There, that is where King David is buried. Listen, he said, I can attest to you with confidence that David is dead and buried and his tomb is with us today. So the question is, who is David talking about when he says, you're not going to see my body decay? Look at verse 30. Since he was a prophet, that is, David was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn an oath to him to seat one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke concerning the resurrection of the Messiah. Now, he's not talking about his resurrection. He's talking about the resurrection of the Messiah to come. He was not abandoned in Hades, and his flesh did not experience decay. See that? He's saying, listen, this David, when he wrote that, he was talking about the Messiah. When the Messiah comes, not only will he die, but he will be raised from the dead. He will not see decay. He will be raised. This is the Messiah he's talking about. Look at verse 32. God has raised this Jesus, and we are all witnesses of this. All right? I mean, can you believe that? He's like, man, let me tell you something, folks. God has raised Jesus Christ, and I have seen him. I saw him dead. I saw him raised to life. For 40 days, I've been eating with him and talking to him. I have been a witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah David talked about. What a powerful statement. 
you know, people go all over the world travel to famous graves to visit famous people. But you can't travel to Jesus' grave because he's not there. This is what sets Jesus Christ apart from every other religious leader, every other religion in the world, every other political power. Jesus Christ has been risen from the grave. That is the historic Christian message. And uh, listen, in, in 1883, uh, General Charles Gordon was visiting Jerusalem. And he came across a hill that he thought looked unusual. In fact, here's a picture of the hill. He thought that kind of looked like a skull. Does that, can you see a skull in that? Uh, two eyes, kind of the mouth down at the bottom. And he remembered that Golgotha, the place of the skull is what it's called, was where Jesus was crucified. And he thought, well, maybe this is Golgotha. It was in the general area, possibly could be Golgotha. You could see the resemblance of a skull. Then he also noticed that just a few yards uh, from that, I think to the north of it, uh, you, had, um, uh, you had a garden. And in this garden, there was a tomb. And they discovered in this tomb some, some inscriptions on the wall of the tomb that seemed to appear to be early Christian drawings, possibly people going to this tomb uh, to worship. And he said, could this be possibly the place where Jesus Christ was laid and ultimately where he was raised from the dead. Today, if you go uh, to Israel, you will go to the garden tomb. And uh, this is where you can actually go into that grave. In fact, here's a picture of it right there. You can actually go inside of it and you can see where they laid the body. You can see those ancient inscriptions and people from all over the world gather to the garden tomb to worship the risen Jesus. Multiple times I've been there. And multiple times as we gather to worship, we'll sing songs and we'll worship. Usually we go there in the morning and it's just such a beautiful time. Hearing the birds singing and the worship of Jesus. But there are usually other groups that are also gathering. And I, I can tell you almost every time I've been there, as I'm worshiping in English, I will hear another group worshiping in a song that I know, but they're singing it in Korean or they're singing it in Spanish, or they're singing in Portuguese or some other language. And you're just aware of the fact that Jesus Christ has risen from the grave. And just like at Pentecost, they heard these different languages and different dialects all speaking about Jesus, that we kind of experience that even today around this empty tomb. That's what Peter's saying. He's saying, listen, the gospel is all about Jesus. The gospel is not about you trying to be better. The gospel is not about, you know, your moral standing. The gospel is about Jesus Christ who died on the cross according to God's plan, who rose again from the dead and is very much alive, that his tomb is empty. That's what the gospel is all about. So the gospel is good news. It's good news because it's for everyone. Number two, the gospel is good news. It's all about Jesus. But here's the third one. The gospel is good news because it can change you. Look at verse 33. Therefore, based on all this, therefore he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. And he has poured out what you see and hear. In other words, all that you're seeing is Jesus pouring out his Holy Spirit on us. This is what's happening here. 
For uh, it was not David who ascended into the heavens, but himself says, now you're going to quote David again, right? Again, he's quoting from the Old Testament. King David wrote this, the Lord declares to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Now, this is an interesting psalm. Here is David says, the Lord, which is God the Father, says to my Lord, sit in my right hand until you rule the world. And he's like, who's he talking about? What Lord does God say, sit in my right hand until I make the world your footstool? Who is that Lord? And then he's going to drop it. Check it out, verse 33. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah. Get that? He's like, hey, let me tell you what's happening here. David's been telling us, Joel's been telling us, it is happening now. Jesus Christ is the Messiah who was raised. Jesus Christ is the Lord who is at the right hand of the Father, who is coming again in power, who's sending his spirit. Even now, he offers eternal life. That's the message Peter gave them. And listen, that's a very old message. It's a very ancient message. And yet it is as relevant today as your latest post. Because we need this. You need this. Jesus Christ is your only hope to be reconciled to God. And he can change you. He can pour out his spirit in your heart and in your life. The resurrect, the, the death of Jesus Christ is an indisputable fact. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest feat in human history. The transformation of people uh, still happens today. And how did the people respond? Look at verse 37. And when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? I mean, when they hear this Jesus is Lord and Christ. We've been looking forward to this. He has proven it over and over. This Jesus, we have seen it. We are witnesses. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were pierced to the heart. You know, that's what the gospel does. It cuts to your heart. It's a word called conviction. Conviction is when you suddenly become aware of your sinfulness and your need for Christ and you're aware that you need a Savior and you are, are, you are broken on the inside. Has that ever happened to you? You know, a lot of people that say, oh, Craig, I know I'm saved. I say, how do you know you're saved? Well, because I know all the Bible facts. Yeah? I, I know, I can quote chapter and verse. I know all the Bible facts. But listen, it takes more than Bible facts for you to come to salvation. Without conviction, there is no salvation. You must first be cut to the heart, aware of your own sin, your own need for Jesus Christ. And there in that moment, they were cut to the heart. I remember this week, I was having coffee with a friend of mine, and he was telling me his salvation story. And he said he had heard the gospel many times, gone to a great church to preach the gospel over and over. And he knew what it took, but he had never really come to faith in Jesus. And he was sitting out beside a lake. And he began to pray. And he said, God, I, I don't know that I'm right with you. And I, I don't know what to do. He said, but I, I, wish, that, I wish that I was saved and he said, the Spirit of God began to convict him of his sin. And he said, I heard these words by the Spirit. You can take care of that right now. And he said, in that moment, he said, right by that lake, 
He said, I bow my head and I ask Jesus Christ to come into my life. It was the convicting work, the drawing work of the Holy Spirit that brought him into salvation. Now listen, has that happened to you? Can you say, man, I remember the time when I was so convicted of my sin and and I was broken over my sin and I was desperate for Jesus to forgive me. Only then can you truly be saved. And that's, that's what's happening here. They are convicted. They are drawn. They feel the work of the Spirit of God drawing them. They're emotional. They're, they're desperate. What shall we do? And what does Peter say to them? Well, look at it. What does Peter said? He replied, verse 38, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Stop right there. He said, you need to repent. Repent means to turn, right? To to turn around, do a U-turn, to, to turn, change your mind, change your direction, turn from your sin, your own self-reliance, your own self-sufficiency, your own uh, uh, self, uh, self-thought that, you know, I can get there, I'm good enough, I'm religious enough, and wait with that, to turn from that and say, you know what, I just know I'm a sinner and I need Jesus Christ. And for some of you, today is that day of salvation. For some of you right now, as I'm speaking, the Spirit of God is piercing your heart. You know you're lost. You know you're far from God. You've never received Christ. You've been kicking the can down the road. You've been pushing him off, but not today. Today, the Spirit of God is saying, this is your moment. What should I do? Repent. Turn to Jesus Christ right now in saving faith. And he says, if you will do that, he said, he will forgive you of your sin and he will fill you with his Holy Spirit. Wow, what a promise. He will wipe you clean and he will fill you up. You will become a new person in Christ, born anew into God's family with just one prayer. You're one prayer away from being made new. And these people, they did that. He said, be baptized, each of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus. So 3,000 were baptized. By the way, baptism doesn't save you. Jesus saves you, all right? But baptism is the way you show that you've been truly saved. And 3,000 that day were baptized. Baptizo means to immerse. They were immersed down the water, up out of the water. Why? Depicting the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They declared the Lord Jesus. 3,000 saved. The church exploded into existence. These Christians that were born again turned the world upside down. God wants to do that in your life. Listen, the gospel is good news. It's good news because it's for you. It's good news because it's all about Jesus. It's good news because even now he can change you. He can forgive you and fill you if you will turn to him. So I want you to bow your head with me right now for just a minute. Listen, you've heard the gospel today. From this point moving forward, you can't ever say, well, Lord, I I didn't know. I never heard. I wasn't aware. I never had a chance to come to you. No, you have what many, many people around the world have never yet had, and that is an opportunity to hear and respond to the gospel. What will you do with it? Will today be your day? So I'm going to ask you, heads bowed, If right now the Spirit of God is convicting your heart, right now you know you're not right with God. Right now you want to receive Jesus Christ by faith. Heads bowed, nobody looking around. Would you just lift up your hand? Pastor, pray for me. I'll see your hand. I'll lead you in a prayer right in your seat. 
to receive Jesus Christ. Lift it up right now. Spirit of God's moving in your heart. Spirit of God is convicting you. Right now, you know this is it. Don't resist him. Don't reject him. The Spirit of God is convicting you now. Lift up your hand. Lift it up where I can see it. Just lift it up. Raise it up where I can see it. Pastor, all right, thank you. Thank you. Pastor, pray for me. I want to know for sure. I want to nail this down. Lift it up where I can see it. All right, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Several hands. Anybody else? Lift up your hand right now. Spirit of God's convicting you. Don't resist him. Right now, this is your opportunity. Don't delay. Anybody else? One last chance. Anybody else? All right, put your arm down. Just pray this simple prayer with me. Dear Lord, I know I've sinned against you. I know I've gone my own way. But I believe you died on a cross for me. I believe you rose again from the dead. Jesus, I believe you are Lord and Christ. And so I turn from my sin and I confess you as Lord. Please forgive me. Please fill me with your spirit. Change my life. Today I turn to follow you. And I want to walk with you all the days of my life. 